in today's final episode, Quan describes his release from prison and the many challenges he faces navigating a post-prison world, a world not often set up for success. You know, it was just it just came out hard. Like it was very hard. I was like, like I was like, what's going on here? Like, you know what I'm saying? But and you know, my friend says it's all good, man. It's all good. And um you know, uh, Right. That's what I want to quickly ask. How was that for you? Like to show that vulnerability. I think that it seemed like as if it was uncontrollable, like you couldn't control it's something it. I couldn't so control. much time something of I being control. You know what I'm saying? Being... I really couldn't control it. You know what I'm saying? It was it was it was uh, it was like I said, it was a very hard cry. I couldn't control it. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? And um, yeah, so once I got that out, you know, um, you know what I'm saying? I actually had to get on the phone and, and call my mm-hmm. family. But at that time, mm-hmm. I couldn't use the mm-hmm. phone until later on in the um, evening because, you know, like like everything in prison is, you know, you, you can only do whatever you, it's time to do. You know what I'm saying? What about you right, have to be right, patient? Right. You know what I'm saying? You, you only can mm-hmm. move when you are allowed to move, quote unquote. So mm-hmm. I had to get on the phone and call my family. So I was excited or whatever. So um, when I um, when I had the opportunity, I called my mother and you know I told her the news and told my my sister. And, um, mm-hmm. Yeah, and, and 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 it was just great, and you know, everybody was was happy and, and, and stuff like that. So um, it was, mm-hmm. um, yeah, yeah, it was it was, it was a uh, it was like a great time. But now with all that, after all that, that though, was done, I had four months left because they always give you your time, like four months prior to the date. So now, mm-hmm. I had to like. Be on some real low key stuff for the next four months because now you got a doctor, right? And why is that? Explain to people why. Why do you have to be low key, you know, with your with your release? Because time? You, you could lose your date. So if you mm. get in trouble or something like that, like they'll take it from you, you know what I'm saying? And then mm-hmm. now, well, do you think that have you seen in the past where people because you're saying you could lose your date, would when you say lose your date, do they just randomly can take your date, or maybe somebody could purposely try to trip you up or to get into a fight with you or yeah, something? Yeah, it's different. It's different. Like, yeah, like all that, all that is is a factor. It might be some people that mm-hmm. might know that you, you're about to go home soon that they try to disrespect you or whatever. That's why most people play their mm-hmm. date close to their vest, right? So you won't know when the guy's okay. going home. You know what I'm saying? Because they don't want that. Because because that's a a vulnerability now where you actually have now where you know I'm saying I actually know this guy trying to make it home so I'm gonna try to mm-hmm. like I'm gonna try to bully him or I'm gonna you know what I'm saying like mm-hmm. yeah so it's always stuff like that you have to be mindful of you know um, you know and that's not just from the, the prisoners only it's from the correction officers too as well you know so mm. um, yeah I, I'm gonna give him a ticket so he'll lose his date like 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 Got you know, it. So you got it. Very, very got careful. It. You know what I'm saying. So for the next four months, I just laid low, and and then when 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 my time came, when January 13th came, 
um it was so it was so it was like is this really happening you know um uh uh my um uh, my my cousin had sent me some clothes you know and sent mm-hmm. me a pair of jeans and a pair of Tim and stuff like mm-hmm. that now, mm-hmm. now mm-hmm. I yeah. have worn these You're type of pants so, so, <laughs> so <laughs> I haven't worn these type of garments in so long you know right, right. so I remember going to the bathroom and the officer gave it to me to put on and I remember me putting mm-hmm. on a pair of jeans, and it just felt so strange mm. to put on a pair of jeans. Wow! You know? Wow! And, wow! And, wow. and um, yeah. And as I put the, the street clothes on, they had a mirror inside the bathroom, and I looked at myself. Now I've been in green wow. for so long, you know. So mm. to be in something other than green, you know, um, that's why I, I don't even wear green now, like. <laughs> So um yeah so it's, uh, so I looked at myself in the mirror and I was like wow like this is it you know? right but they still kept me for a couple of hours prior to like you know no no going out you got to sign a bunch of paperwork and all types of stuff and they have to make sure it's you it's the right person and not letting go to the wrong person and etc so so that so that took a while you know what I'm saying. And you know, certain stipulations that they give you too that you have to you have to abide by, like you know, um, you know stuff like that. You can't be around other felons. You know, you can't be around this person, that person. You can't do this. You can't. You got a curfew. Yada yada yada. say goodbye to other to to the other inmates before you got down to where you were going to be um released from or is it a separate yes. facility or yes 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 i was um i was um, able to say bye and i passed on some of my clothes mm-hmm. and like that shoes and and mm-hmm. food commissary all that stuff to some of my friends who, who whose time will continue mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and um yeah and um as I was signing out all, you know, the paperwork and everything, <clears throat> that um, you know, uh, uh, like to see how easy it was to let a person go if they really want to, you know, because you've been but behind the walls for so long, and you see all the the watchtowers and the, the guns and the barbwires and. and fences and all that stuff and mm-hmm. it's just how they let you go was just with the press of a button mm-hmm. and this automatic door just open up and there it is you're in the street like it's just amazing wow wow so um so when i came out you know um it was just i was just like wow and then i was on the sidewalk and cars were passing by and everybody walking by and Mm. talking about the stimuli like it was just crazy overwhelming you know right right now how what i mean i can only imagine what it was like for you january last of last year before covid even became a thing in our lives 
and you're coming out, you're smelling that winter air, you know, that fresh air, you know, <laughs> coming from Sing Sing and, um, right? You were at Sing Sing, right? Or were, did they trans? No, they transported you to us. They to Queensboro, yes. which was in Queens. And it was the first time I was in New York City for, for almost 20 years. Yeah, yeah. A lot of things had changed. Yeah. yeah. The city the city looked beautiful. Like as I'm as when I was on a bus being transported here, mm-hmm. when I got to the city, I I was just amazed because the city that I knew was very dirty. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yes. And I just saw all these new buildings that they they made and all these new uh, apartment complexes and That's all right. these little mini malls that they have. And, urban yeah. neighborhood now and because back then you had to go to like somewhere else to go to the mall right now, yes oh, gentrification so. that's what that's it <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. Well, i was like wow the city is amazing like you know right you know? right so yeah so taking all of that taking all of that and it was definitely a sight you know right right i definitely i learned to appreciate the uh, uh small things you mm-hmm, know mm-hmm. So, so 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 this is kind of funny but um so 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 see my cousin came and got me my cousin a couple friends mm-hmm. and i told them that i was hearing people getting beat up for this popeye's chicken sandwich stuff it was on the news and yes and i was like what makes this chicken sandwich so you know popular so i said you know what that's what i want right. i want to see I, I want to see what what was all the fuss about, you know? Right, right, right. Oh yeah, that was true. Around that time last year, people with the Popeye sandwich and it was a yes, a big to do about the sandwich and uh, yes, people were fighting, being online and the commercials. Yes, yes. So that's what I ate. So that was my first meal home was a wow. Popeye. Wow, wow. Did you have a soda with that, or did you? Because because I'm sure you hadn't had a soda. In, do you even have soda in jail? Yeah, sodas. Yeah, sodas okay. and comfort. Okay, yeah. okay. Yeah. So you had some, you had one, because I know you're greedy. Did you have one sandwich or you had two? Uh, I can't remember. I, yeah. can't. <laughs> but I definitely had the chicken sandwich, had, had the spicy one. And, and 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 I remember just walking into the Popeye's and I'm looking mm-hmm. at the menu. And I said, yo, and I was looking at the menu, like I saw the menu was like, was like uh, uh you know it was it was it was it was actually active like it was a it, it was a screen and right. it was oh okay got it got it yes like, yes, wow. yes that's how the menus are now and, <laughs> yeah you know yeah it was actually it was actually a motion picture like you know mm-hmm. you know what I'm like you see the chicken you see the, the soda porn you see like so I'm looking at the menu like wow so this is how they do it now wow yeah so, yeah I'm just looking I'm I'm observing a whole lot of things, you know. Right, so, right, right. So, oh. so yeah, so that was kind of, so that was kind of cool. Well, thankful last year, you know, 2020, early before COVID when you came home and everybody was really thankful and happy that you were back. You looked the same. You looked good. You were, um, you know, we were just, just happy to have you back home. Um, 
after after all these years. Um, yeah, yeah. Definitely and- having friends and family definitely it definitely um it it, it, it definitely helped and and I'm, I was very appreciative of um of having that because not a lot of people have that you know what I'm saying right, I'm right. mindful that there are people coming there are a lot of people coming home and going to a shelter right and that's where right. I work at now I work at I, I actually work in a homeless shelter and mm-hmm. a lot of the residents are were formerly incarcerated and mm-hmm. they're having no one else you know so that's how I always count my blessings you know because right because I was one of the fortunate ones that do have family in I think for you it was the opposite because you were able to come home had a home your mom was still present family was still present and um you know they were able to help you to walk through the process of getting yourself integrated back into society yeah you know what are some of the things that you had to go back in the interest of time if you can just briefly tell us like what you know you know getting your driver's license you mentioned voting you know all of that what are some yeah, of the so um, I actually wanted to hit the ground running, so the very next day I went to DMV. Right? Mm-hmm. Remember, COVID didn't happen yet. Yeah, so we the had line, two months. Line in DMV months. was ridiculous, mm-hmm. you know. But I mm-hmm. said, "Yo, I have to get because they give you a prison ID, and it was actually that prison ID is useless because nobody's accepting that, mm-hmm. and plus it stigmatizes you too. So when you go with the ID, they look at you funny, like." you know so I really wanted to get rid of that that was the first thing I wanted to do I wanted to get rid of that so I wanted to get a non-driver's license ID for motor vehicles you know what I'm saying so I had to like find now it was a good thing that I have family members that hid all my stuff for me because I told them to that I would need these for when I come home mm-hmm. you know, my, mm-hmm. my passport my social right um, you know stuff like that so I could you know I need all these IDs so I could mm-hmm get back on my feet because these are important you can't really get a job unless you have these these type of documents right 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 and then they got a lot of people that, that lost theirs during while doing time so, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I was able to have that so I actually bought all those up you know um, went to motor vehicles and as I was putting in for non-driver's license ID and showing all the, do- the documentations I said you know what I might as well just try to get a permit since I'm mm-hmm. here. Like, why? Like, why? You know, should I just get a non-driver's license ID? And I should just try to take a permit. So, mm-hmm. you know, I actually didn't study for the test or anything of that of that nature. So I wasn't sure if I was going to even pass. But I, but I took the chance and I took the test anyway. Mm-hmm. And to my surprise, I passed the test. Okay. So my very next day, I got a permit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> You know, even though it was just a piece of paper, you know, the picture ID came, it came later. Mm-hmm, but mm-hmm. You know, I um, had a permit and then, you know, um, and then after like, like a month or so later, I um, took the five hour class. Mm-hmm. And after that, I took the road test and, and then I had my license. So I, so I, so I had my driver's license fairly quick, you know, cause mm-hmm. that, that's something that I really, really wanted like ASAP. Right, right. And I think that was the part of kind of, as you said, getting rid of that stigma and starting your life, you know, starting a life, your life anew, you know? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. 
also you did the driver's license. I know you were back and forth with getting, you know, with um, I think you connected with your parole officer, right? And and yeah, yeah and then you started looking for positions. How has that been like for you working, you know, trying to get a job? Because we know that it is a, a very difficult for, you know, people who are, um, ex, you know, have who have been incarcerated and are coming back and trying to make a life for themselves in society. That that's really hard and. You know, having to, you know, when you have no resume, like what, how did you, how did you navigate that piece, you know, with your resume, with, um, t- you know, did you choose to tell people that you were incarcerated before, you know, to get a yeah. job? Like, what did well, that look like? Well, that right there was the hardest, the hardest, mm-hmm. one of the hardest thing I ever had to do is trying to find work. Mm-hmm. And it's still difficult. I'm still mm-hmm. struggling because I'm not where I feel that. I should be, you know, like one year later, you know, um, you know, um, like on the inside, I used to always hear things like, you know, times changed now, people don't hold your past against you anymore, et cetera, et cetera. But that's not the case because employees hold, hold it against you, even though they got laws that, and they got certain stipulations and they say, no, you shouldn't do that no more, whatever. Well, that shouldn't be a factor. Every single job mm-hmm. that you apply for, do a background check. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? What's the purpose of the background check if they're not going to hold it against you? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? If you really want to not uh, judge and not uh, give people a fair chance, it's for you to, to ban the box, period. Like, mm-hmm. what no background check. Only if it's something like a sex crime or something like that. Mm-hmm. But other than that, there should be no background check. Mm-hmm. Right? But they do. They all do it. And even though they can't say, this is the reason why we're not going to hire you, that is the reason why they're not hiring you. Because right. as a person that have a master's, right, mm-hmm. I was getting plenty of interviews. I was going after interview after interview. So they liked what they saw on paper. Mm-hmm. But when it got to the point of doing the, the, the background check and it came back, they all say, oh, we're going somewhere else. We're going another direction or whatever. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know? And um, it was so frustrating. Mm-hmm. And I have reached a point of depression because I felt like, how could I ever get the chance to be a productive citizen if nobody wanted to give me the chance? Right, you know? right. So it was very, it's very hard. And it still is. I'm still struggling. I'm still trying to get back on my feet and and you know um you know especially for someone with a master's like like it's supposed to be you know like you should make make like at least a certain amount of money you know um, i'm really not making any money at all and you know i actually know i gotta pay my dues and stuff like that but it's hard to get the opportunity you know if nobody want to give you the the opportunity you know um so so everybody always asks for like uh no they they look for two things and what i've come to find out one is experience right Mm -hmm. how could you get the experience if nobody gives you the chance to get an experience nobody gives you the opportunity to get the experience Mm -hmm. right and Mm -hmm. two is the background check so what I found out is that 
society as a whole probably saying that yeah we're you know we have moved on and we are now give people second chances and stuff like that but most of that is rhetoric the practicality of it is not true you know the the you know background checks or, or or something that's holding a lot of people that want to do good I'm not talking about the people that are coming out here for trouble people that want to be a productive citizen that want to contribute that want to be a taxpaying citizen right you know, right you know, and I know it is it you know it is a barrier I think that having a criminal record it definitely presents a, a barrier when you're trying to look and you know and to get a job um but I and I you know and trying to re-enter society but I think it's also you know as a professional myself I'm like okay if somebody you know we do need background checks because you need to find out if the person you know what if it's as you said if it was something with uh, you know if they're working with children or, or vulnerable uh, populations we definitely need to know if they're um you know if they're if they're suitable if they're if they're able to work with this population so of course I would definitely want to know if I'm hiring someone for a position as you, you mentioned Creedmoor before and you're working with vulnerable mental health people and whether you have a master's or not you can still you know you could still have those tendencies or want to hurt somebody or whatever so I think that it's needed I don't I really don't have the right answers as far as you know as, as, a, as a social worker myself and I have to take more research from my part to figure out what does that look like you mentioned banning the box and that's you know it's a pledge that companies are signing to say, you know what, we're going to um, agree to hold any questions about the applicant's criminal record until they, you know, till they're further along in the process of the interview because or the, the hiring process, because they want to see you for who you are and then check it later. Um, it's, 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 it's very difficult. Well, I, I well, don't know. well you that know, right there, know. you know, I could, I could understand the reasoning, Mm-hmm. to a certain extent because right. in February one month of me being home I actually was was offered a job as a case manager something that I mm-hmm. wanted mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and when they did the background check a place that Governor Cuomo actually established is actually discriminating against a lot of people mm-hmm. it's a place mm-hmm. called the Justice Center in, from, from Albany the Justice mm-hmm. Center mm-hmm. wrote me a letter they saw my background, my my my, uh, my 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 history came out, and they said they are going to tell my employer, my potential employer, not not to hire me unless I could convince them of why they shouldn't do that. And I'm like, wow, mm-hmm. that's wow. Out the gate. wow. And I have 20 yeah. days, and I and, and I have 20 days from when they mailed that letter for me to respond. So by the time mm. I got the letter, I had like probably 16, 15 days. Right? right, right, right. I said, "Wow, I, I, now I'm under the impression that things changed, but I'm like, wow, I guess things didn't change, right? Mm-hmm. Right, so right. Then, yeah. So then I did some in investigating and uh, found out about New York State Law Article 23A, mm-hmm. and um, and it was it's, it's more like a it's more like a, a, a it's more like a, a, a guide sheet for potential employees and how they should go about with dealing with people like like me 
right? Mm-hmm. Right. People that right. were formerly incarcerated. Right? Mm-hmm. And um, now, 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 as I read through it and stuff like that, I actually saw that um, especially dealing with vulnerable populations like what you said, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I actually see that I didn't fit any of the criterias. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. like any of the stipulations that would disqualify me from getting that position right and, right right um some because some of the things were you know you know um if you had a history with with harming somebody with mental disabilities or children or elderly or mm-hmm. something of that nature that's all that's automatically disqualification or if it's a violent crime in the past 10 years it's automatically no you know what mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. and um yeah. yeah, it sounds like as if, from what I'm getting, it sounds like as if there's definitely obstacles. Like, there's definitely obstacles. And, you know, from what I hear you're saying, too, is that these things that are set in place to help people um, is really a part of that obstacle, too. So it sounds like as if there needs to be more changes in advocacy and, you know, yes. with with those um, so-called reforms that are supposed to be set in place to help people like you or, you know, so, many so, families. So, so, um, so what happened was, so when I did the so so when I realized that I met none of the stipulations that this mm-hmm. that disqualified me, mm-hmm. I actually wrote a letter to the Justice Center, mm-hmm. um, and I basically told them why I should be hired, and you know what I'm saying, and I showed all my you know like like what qualified me for the job and. I was contrite and and, and and all that stuff and I made copies mm-hmm. of my my masters, my bachelors, my mm-hmm. the associates and other programs that I have done too, like HIV and AIDS counseling, drug mm-hmm. drug counseling, et cetera, et cetera. A bunch of stuff, a bunch mm-hmm. of paperwork and mm-hmm. stuff. So I sent them all that stuff, right? Mm-hmm. After like a few weeks later, they wrote me back and just a small little paragraph that says they're gonna tell the employer not to hire me, period. They didn't give me a reason of anything, wow. anything of, of that nature, and I didn't get the job mm, mm, with no explanation. Mm-hmm. Right. And right. the only only rational explanation is just for the simple fact that I have a record. And if that's the case, right. then that's this discrimination. You know? mm. And then I end up getting another job offer, and the same thing happened with the Justice Center. Again, the same place from Albany that Cuomo mm-hmm. started. And they mm-hmm. turned me down once again. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like, hold up. So they, so they really, you know, not, you know, they're not following their own uh, uh, laws mm-hmm. or their mm-hmm. own guidelines, you know. So. I was very fortunate to finally end up getting the job and and the homeless shelter mm-hmm, mm-hmm. you know and then COVID hit so that didn't help you know so, right 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 you know it was very it was difficult for me it was very hard very hard right and going back to that you know isolating here you are two months out of a 20 year stint and you know now coming into a world where we have to kind of be reclusive and you know, self-isolate and even the fear of being infected with, you know, uh, cat being infected with COVID, trying to navigate the, the work, you know, trying to find a position, coming back with your family and friends, being reacclimated back in society, 
wanting to run out and see everybody and you know, I think about even the summer wanting to go to the beach and wanting to, you know, just be out after being um, away from 20 years, away for 20 years and, and having to deal with all of this, you know, these uh, issues and even the, the social injustices that were going on, the murder of, um, you know, of, of, of different Floyd. black men yeah, yeah, that were Floyd. And, you know, I think we were all kind of paralyzed by that, like this, you know, by all of what was going on. But I think it was polarized polarized more for you being somebody who's coming you know coming out um from behind bars and having to go through all of that um where are you now you know it's about to be in in you know we're in the new year it's 2021 now um you've spent a christmas you've done a couple of holidays and we've kind of hung you know together um you know, as a family and, you know, celebrated some milestones, you know, whether it's my son's graduation and Christmas, you know, um, not Christmas, Thanksgiving, we did Christmas, you know, I saw that you, you posted that you, um, you know, the first snowfall, I think, right. I saw your Christmas time. You had on like your hat, like, you, you know, yeah, 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 yeah. all these things, you know, as far as <laughs> being home now during holiday season. You know, especially having you haven't been home. Well, I haven't been home in 20 years trying mm-hmm. to um, um, holiday. So my first time, you know, you know, you know, my family's definitely happy that I'm here. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely grateful. And like I said, it's the small things. Mm-hmm. I appreciate the small things so much more. So some things that the average person might not think about, I'm thinking about mm-hmm. it. You know, right, right. You know, so um, you know, when I snow, you know, just to saw my, you know, to see snow on the outside, because of course we mm-hmm. see snow on the it, 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 inside, but to see snow on the, the outside was different. Right. Now, Absolutely. like I um, own a car and I got to I got to shuffle my car out the snow. Now, <laughs> right. now, you know, what I'm saying uh, my my my. my, my our family got uh, our home or homeowners and you know I actually gotta like shuffle snow out in front of the house and the sidewalk and all that stuff so I'm like hold up hold up snow is no fun <laughs> right right you know, right so, but these are these are but these are problems that I'm I'm lucky to have like I'm lucky absolutely to have absolutely yeah and that you want to have and that you I know it's have, like yeah. you kind of yeah you want to have you want to feel that snow on your face you want to feel I think eventually you'll get back to or you learn too quickly about the um you know these these outside problems you know what I'm saying like it's like it's either too hot it's too warm it's too this but when you're behind bars it's from a totally different perspective and experience and now with you being you know outside now it's like whatever I'll take it you know because it's it's you have that freedom and autonomy that you never you know that you haven't had in 20 years so it said it's a blessing you know as far as you know 2021 what do you see in a couple of days like you know in a couple of days it'll be one year since you've been home what do you want the listeners to know about you and you know just some closing remarks um you know is there anything that you are especially grateful for right now do you have any regrets just some you know just some final words yes um i would like to know people to know that uh, that I'm a person that's still that's that still feel humble and grateful 
and understands that this second chance that I'm getting, I'm not going to take it for granted. And I have no intentions to relapse or do anything that's contrary to the right thing. And, um, you know, I'm going to continue to be the best man that I, that, that I could be and try to represent black men in a better black man in a better light because um I think that uh there's not enough black male role models and mm-hmm. and I would like to just be that and 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 be a, and be a symbol of greatness you know mm-hmm. so um so that's my intentions and that's how I plan to carry myself and you know being out one year now things hasn't changed you know I'm, I'm I'm actually still motivated you know like I want to be great and and I'm gonna keep on trying and keep striving to be as great as I could be no absolutely and I think you know um if you're like me you could be a little bit hard on yourself too and I've known you for a number of years but I think that you know you have to give yourself credit that you know, to be out in less than, you know, a couple of days shy of being out of prison after serving 20 years for you're about to be out in, in a year. And um, it's amazing to see how much you've, you've grown and, and, and accomplished in a short period of time. As I said, you know, I know that it's a lot of um, work and help from family members and friends and even from the guys on the block who really that was something that um, you know, it showed the camaraderie and the, you know, people talk about you know, oh, you know, they have friends, but I think you have true friends that have been with you, a, a close group of people that have held you down while you were in prison from the moment, you know, they were there when you went in, they were there when you came out, they were there now, as you said, you know, to give you clothes, to, I know they had a, you know, a little get together for you when you came home, and um, it just shows the humanity and the support that you know, that um, communities have and how much it's needed and, 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 and appreciated. So I think, you know, it's, you know, I know that it was a difficult, um, it was a very, to say the least, a difficult 20 years and, um, you know, someone lost their lives. And I think us as a family, we're all um, saddened by that and, and we'll always be, you know, praying for that family, that mother who lost her son um, because of what happened. And um, and I know that that's something that you've always maintained. Um, but I think for us, it just shows, too, that there's, you know, redemption. You know, you talked about great men, biblically and otherwise, who have served time and have came back out and made, um, you know, contributions to their uh, to their society, to their families. And I, and I know that you'll continue to do the same. So, you know, I thank you so much for putting your life out there. Um, I know that it, it will take episode after episode to get to all the different dynamics that you go through, that you went through and that you're going through on a daily basis um, to chronicle all of the, the, the things that you're going through to, to come back into, you know, into a society Whereas you said it's not set up for um, to make you do well, you know, <laughs> it's not set up that way. 
that there are definitely going to be obstacles, but the, but you know, we're all here to support you. We're happy that you're back home and, um, we just want to wish you all the best, your children, you're about to graduate from college. And I know that you've already, you know, you're already helping and, 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 and being a great dad and a father to them and a role model to other people in the community. And, uh, you know, I applaud you for that. Okay. So thank you so much. Yes. And I would like to thank you for giving me the opportunity and the platform, you know, to, um, tell my uh, uh, story and, and, and maybe give some insight to other people too as well that it, it may you know breed something positive absolutely absolutely because we have this is I think that we're not you know this is not a small this is the pandemic within itself you know incarceration and, and decisions that people make and the outcome of that and um, recidivism and um, you know the role that education and 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 reform can actually make and you being reformed and and not going back and so i know that you'll be one of the cases that or one of the examples that um you know you're not going to go back you know you're just going to go uh further and further and i know that you'll be helping others along the way so thank you so much ryan thank you for listening to the five-part episode of Home for a Year featuring Quan Laws. His experience explores the ongoing economic and societal obstacles that often prevent ex-felons from thriving and sometimes indirectly pushing them back to crime and back into the prison system. I hope his story provoked thought and conversation surrounding the topic of mass incarceration and prison reform. I'll share this comment that was shared with me from a listener, and I quote, This podcast is so touching and meaningful. I just want to hug Quan. I admire his strength, courage, humility. I love how he honored his mother and furthered his education, even though he had to switch facilities. Shows how important the mother and son bond is. His story is one of triumph. He will come out on top. Like he said, a lot of greatness was born in solitude. So we should never write people off. We should never write people off. Thank you again for listening. Do you have a topic or experience you'd like to share on the podcast? If so, leave me a message via the podcast or on Instagram at at Diary of a Black Social Worker. Until the next episode, be safe and stay well.